You see, when an idea is planted in your head, you start to see it in life. And really, that's part of the genius of coming to church and listening to preaching every week. Because what is preached about gets planted in your head and you begin to see it. Either that week or you think about what happened the previous week and you realize that hopefully whatever was preached was from God's Word and was true, and you see it in your life. And so what is preached for you when it's from God's Word is always beneficial to your life. And today, I want to plant an idea in your head, and I hope you'll carry this with you for however long your your memory uh, tends to stay with you these days. Um, But the idea is this. No tripping allowed. You're not allowed to trip other people. And you would think, well, of course not. That would be rude. And it certainly would be rude. But there's a way to spiritually trip people as well. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're in Romans chapter 14, verse 13. Go ahead and turn to Romans 14, if you would. In Romans chapter 14... In verse 13, that's where we'll begin today. And I feel like I, I need to uh, go back and recap a little bit of what we talked about last time we were in Romans a few weeks back. And here was the situation in Rome. Typically, there were a lot of meat markets in Rome, and, and typically the meat that was sold there was first dedicated to idols. And it raised a question for Christians. Should I eat meat that had been previously dedicated to a false god? When I, in my heart, I worship the true God. And so some, some Christians felt like that would violate their faith. Or it would violate, if they were Jewish Christians, it might violate their dietary restrictions to eat meat that had been dedicated to an idol. We're not supposed to have any idol worship. You know, is that idol worship? Is that something different there? And so some Christians had a hard time, forgive the pun, swallowing the idea of eating meat dedicated to idols. And they, they believed that to be a violation of their faith, and so they became abstainers. They were essentially vegetarian. Um, other Christians, they thought, hey, you know, meat's just meat. No big deal. You know, and so they were the meat eaters. God made the meat. God wants me to enjoy life, you know, so I'm going to eat the meat, so... No big deal, but it didn't take long that the meat before the meat eaters and the abstainers started to become divided on this issue. And Paul needed to address this because whether or not to eat meat is nothing for a church to become divided on. And so Paul needed to address this issue. And Paul says that the, the ones that were abstainers, the ones that had the high moral standards, the rigid behavioral standards who said, I'm not going to cross this line. Paul says, you know what? You're actually weak in your faith. Because any time that you have to put up artificial rules to guide your life, it means that on some level there's a failure to trust God without qualification. You're having to trust these artificial rules that are not found anywhere in God's Word. You're going to have have to trust these rules instead of trusting God to live your life freely through faith. And so we have Christians who are weak in faith and others that 
are stronger in their faith than in any particular issue. And again, we're not talking about abstaining, whether or not to abstain from actions that God's Word clearly says are sins. We are to abstain from those. Very clearly, God's Word says that some things are simply sins, but we're talking about gray areas. Areas that the Bible does not address specifically. Areas of personal conviction. I'll give you, I'll give you another uh, few of these uh, that I think we as Baptists can relate to. Because whether or not to eat meat dedicated to idols, that's not something we really encounter when we go to Walmart or United and pick up our meat, right? Whether to play cards. Some of y'all are old enough, and your parents told you, maybe you even told your kids, we do not play cards. Because who plays cards? Gamblers play cards. And we're to abstain from even the appearance of evil. And so you were not to have any cards, decks of cards in this house. We're not going to play cards. We're not going to play any types of cards. I have to confess to you over the Christmas holidays, I played a lot of cards. Okay? But, uh, hope that doesn't offend you. Hope that doesn't make you stumble. But that was an old rule, an old conviction that a lot of Baptists shared. No card playing. In fact, that's how the game of 42 became popular. Is created by, I forget if it was Baptist or Church of Christ. We're, we're sort of distant cousins there. Uh, but it was created by Christians who were told they cannot play cards, and so they came up with a new game using dominoes. Um, and so if you'd like to play 42, uh, it's, it's a worthwhile game, but that was one of the rules. Another one, a very fa- famous Baptist rule, is no dancing. No dancing. It doesn't matter whether people dance in the Bible. No dancing. Absolutely no dancing. Because why? Dancing leads to premarital sex. And the joke now is that why are Baptists against premarital sex? Because it leads to dancing. But uh, that's one of the rules. You know, No dancing. No cards. There's a lot of rules if you're going to be a good Baptist. Okay, And so over time, some of these convictions that may not be very explicit in God's Word have tended to sort of gray away or shy away, and things have changed over time. God's Word is eternal. If it says not to do it in God's Word, don't do it. But there are some of these gray areas that we can talk about and that we, can, we might be able to disagree on. And so no matter what your personal convictions are, about eating meat dedicated to idols, or playing cards, or dancing, or whatever else it might be. Whether you're weak or whether you're strong in certain areas, Paul says, whatever you do, don't despise other Christians for having different convictions than you. Don't judge other Christians for having different convictions than you. And today, he adds to that. He says, don't make your brother stumble. No tripping allowed. If you have your Bible and you've turned to Romans chapter 14, verse 13, I'd ask you to stand with me, please, in honor of the reading of God's Word. Romans 14, verse 13, we'll read through the end of the chapter, through verse 23. I'll read out loud from the New American Standard Bible, and you can read along on the screen behind me or in your scripture. The Bible says, Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or stumbling block in a brother's way. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But 
To him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith. And whatever is not from faith is sin. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would guide us and instruct us as to how we can live our lives, not just for our own benefit, but for the benefit of our brother in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Look at verse 13 again. It says, Therefore let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. In other words, don't tempt your brother to violate his own personal convictions, which might be different than yours. And so let's deal with this specific example that they had back then. Uh, back then, if the church got together for a Christian fellowship meal, um, there'd be two groups of people that were there. Those there were strong Christians in their faith and they would eat the meat that had already been dedicated to idols and those that were weak Christians that had a, had a real problem with that. And so the weak Christians, if they were in this meeting and they saw other Christians eating the meat and some, some other strong Christian who didn't have a problem with eating the meat actually served a weak Christian a plate full of meat, they might be tempted, peer pressure, whatever else, to eat the meat, and then violate his own faith. And at that point, it's not a matter of whether or not the meat is good or bad, spiritually. It's a matter of whether we have caused someone who has a struggle and a personal issue to stumble in his or her faith. And that is a serious thing. You see, if you were to serve your Christian brother meat who has a spiritual problem with eating that meat, that would be an inconsiderate thing to do, wouldn't it? But it would be actually worse than inconsiderate. It would, it would actually be spiritually dangerous to your brother in Christ. It would cause him spiritual danger because you might actually cause him to violate his faith. And we all know what happens once we decide to violate our faith. Once we decide to knowingly go against what God has led us in our heart to believe, 
Once we've made that decision, what do we do? Well, I've already messed up. What's the big deal? Might as well mess up again. We start to spiral downward spiritually. We've seen it happen with others. We probably, if we're honest, seen it happen to ourselves. We violate our faith. Then we do it again and again. And we spiral further and further downward. And then Christian fellowship's not important. Why does it matter if I go to church? I don't get anything out of it anyway. Why does it matter if uh, if I'm around these other Christians that might bless me? I don't feel like being blessed today. I'm just going to stay home, stay in bed, get some sleep. I could use it. Why does it matter if if I, you know, try to live for Jesus at work? Everyone knows that you know I'm not perfect. You know, I'd just be a hypocrite if I try to do that. And so the person who begins to violate his faith in one area, if they're not careful, they begin to spiral downward, make more and more decisions that are dangerous to themselves, that are damaging to their own lives, and they become they begin to repel themselves further and further away from God. And you might say, oh, come on, preacher. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. It's just meat, right? Now, is it my fault if someone else has some hang-ups? that they can't deal with, that's, that's not my fault. If I want to eat meat, I'm going to eat meat. The issue is not the meat. The issue is whether you care for your brother in Christ who might be weaker than you in a certain area. Do you care enough about him that you're willing to even temporarily yield your rights so that you don't cause him to stumble and if you don't care enough about him to do that, I would say that not only serving him meat is inconsiderate, not only is that spiritually dangerous to him, but I would say that's spiritually dangerous to you. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 17, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says Jesus said to his disciples, It is inevitable that stumbling blocks come. But woe to him through whom they come. Jesus said it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. According to Jesus, it's not about the meat. It's about the love that you either have or you don't for your weaker brother in Christ. I mean, it's one thing to have a personal conviction one way or another about some secondary issue, be it meat or dancing or cards or movies or whatever you want to call it, whatever the secondary issue is. Because that personal conviction that you have, that's a matter between you and God. But it's quite another thing to trip up the faith of someone that God loves. It's quite another thing to trip up the faith of someone for whom Christ died. If your careless actions become a stumbling block to others, you might just end up with God opposing you. And that, I would say, is a dangerous position to be in. Whether you're a child of His or not, 
you certainly don't want God upset with you. Verse 14. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Again, eating meat or whatever the other secondary issue is, that's, that's, that's not really the issue. In fact, Paul makes it quite clear, abundantly clear, that Jewish dietary requirements that were given to Moses, they are not obligatory on Christians. We as Christians do not have to follow all of the ancient Jewish uh, Levitical requirements that we find in the book of uh, Leviticus or in the Torah. Jesus said in Mark 7, verse 18, Jesus said to them, Are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him because it does not go into his heart, his spiritual heart, but it goes into his stomach and is eliminated? And Paul, or excuse me, Mark adds this little parenthesis. Thus, Jesus declared all foods clean. And so it seemed very clear that all of the dietary laws that were given to Israel were for that specific time in that specific place. And I think the same thing can be said of Jewish ceremonial laws, religious days, instructions on what to do with crops that are grown in the Holy Land. We, we, don't, we don't experience that. We don't grow crops in the Holy Land. We live in Texas. You see, in Christ, we're free. We're free to walk in faith and obey God with faith. Nothing is unclean in itself. There is no food that can harm your standing with God. Your standing with God has been complete. It is in Christ. But if we're careless, we can harm others. If we're careless with this, we can harm others. And so we are not to make our brother in Christ stumble. To him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Verse 15. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with food him for whom Christ died. A lot of Christians think that they can do anything they want if they have a clear conscience about it. Let me clarify something. Having a clear conscience is not the standard by which you make decisions. Even if the Bible doesn't talk about it. Having a clear conscience stops short. It falls short of what God says is the standard by which you make decisions. Love is the standard by which you make decisions is the action that you in your clear conscience are free to take, are free to do, is that action loving toward others. That's the issue. Just because you might feel free to do certain things, you need to ask whether your actions will cause your brother to sin. Verses 16 and 17 read this way, Therefore do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It is certainly true that as a Christian, if you had no consideration of anyone else, you are free to do anything you want as long as it's not sinful, as long as God's Word does not explicitly 
condemn it. You're free to do anything you want. There's an incredible freedom that we have in Christ. There really is. You're free to do anything you want. But if you insist on doing whatever you want to the detriment of your weaker brother in Christ, then you actually have reduced God's kingdom to a bunch of do's and don'ts. And that's not what God's kingdom is. That's not what the Christian life is about. The kingdom of God is not about eating meat. It's not about not eating meat. It's not about whether it's okay to play cards. It's not about whether it's okay to go dancing. It's not about any of those things. Those things are so secondary, they don't even make the list. The kingdom of God is about righteousness. That means moral uprightness. Peace, that means among Christians, it means peace in the fellowship. Peace and unity with one another. And it's about joy, having genuine gratitude and exaltation in the Holy Spirit. And so, let me summarize it this way. Let me flip it around. If you are concerned about righteousness and peace and joy, Father, help me today to do all things in righteousness. Help me to foster peace among my family, my spiritual family. Help me to do all things with joy in the Holy Spirit. If you're concerned about those things, then you'll make the right decision about food. You'll make the right decision about any other secondary issue. It's about having the kingdom of God first and primary in your life. And in the end, you'll end up blessing both God and man. Look at verse 18. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. And again in verses 19 through 21, we read, So then, we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. That's what we need to do. Verse 20, do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and drinks, eats and gives offense. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. And so as a church, instead of focusing on secondary issues that might end up tearing us apart. Let's focus on the things that can bring us closer together. The things that bring peace to our fellowship. I mean, how many churches have been split apart by arguments over unimportant things? It should not be that way. I mean, it's one thing to separate from a church because... A church begins teaching some false doctrine. A church begins teaching that the Bible is not the Word of God. Or the church begins teaching that Jesus did not rise from the dead. Or the church begins teaching that, that you can be saved just by being a good person. You're all right. You're good enough. It's one thing to say, hey, I can't be in a church that teaches those things. Those are contrary to God's Word explicitly. But it's another thing to split apart a church over silly things, secondary things. Tom Rainer, the former president of uh, Lifeway, uh, asked pastors to send in real-life examples of silly things that church members argued over. Here's a few of them. There's an argument in one church over the appropriate length of the worship pastor's beard. Gary, you're safe. You don't have a beard. That's good. There's a fight in another church whether to build a children's playground or to use that land and money for a cemetery. Another church fought about a couple of deacons. One deacon accused another deacon of sending an anonymous letter, and they decided to settle the matter out in the parking lot. 
There was a church dispute of whether or not to install restroom stall dividers in the women's restroom. I don't know who would be opposed to that, but it was an argument in a real church. There's a church argument to vote to decide if a clock in the worship center should be removed. A fight over which picture of Jesus to put in the foyer. There's an argument over whether the church should allow deviled eggs at a church meal. There's a fight over whether or not to sing happy birthday each week anytime a church member had a birthday. I can settle that. No, we're not doing that. You know, we need to be grateful that we have a lot of unity here in this church. Let's just remember, let's not tear down what God is doing for the sake of unimportant things. The building up of God's church is more important. Verses 22 and 23 read this way. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself and what he approves, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. You know, in the end, you need to follow your convictions. If you can do something and uh, your faith does not condemn you, and you don't believe that you would make your brother stumble by doing that, go for it. Enjoy it. You know, I, I think Baptists historically have been really good about saying, don't, 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 don't. And we've been really bad about teaching people to enjoy life. Because God wants us to enjoy life. All these incredible blessings that God has given us, this incredible world, it's meant to be enjoyed. And so, go for it. Do it. But if you have doubts, if there's something in you that says, you better not go that way. You better not do that. Don't go that direction. Don't do it. And of course, if it would cause a weaker brother to sin, absolutely don't do it. Here's something else I want, to, uh, I want you to consider. That Christians who have strict and very rigid behavioral standards they've built, and they say, you can't cross this line, you can't cross this line. They are not allowed to dictate their convictions to the whole church under the guise of being offended if the church doesn't do things their way. Please don't, please don't understand what Paul would be saying as some type of implicit endorsement of an ability to claim well, hey, I'm just a weaker brother, and so everyone has to do things my way and live according to my rigid standards, or else I'm going to have a fit and claim to be offended. No, that's, that's dirty pool. That's not right. And, so, and that's not what Paul's talking about. You see, as believers in Christ, we're free to do anything we want. As long as it's a matter of true faith. We voluntarily are to restrict our behavior if it will lead weaker Christians not to claim to be offended, but to actually sin against God. And so weaker Christians are not simply allowed to dictate all the rules of Christian behavior as if they get to be in charge or the kings or the rulers of other people's lives because then it becomes a matter of being a control freak over other people. So whatever you do in life, if you can do it with the conviction that God has approved it, you're living by faith. But I'd caution in this too. Don't confuse your opinion with God's. 
Christians today have sometimes gotten in a bad habit of claiming God's approval for their behavior, even behavior that God has explicitly forbidden in Scripture. If God says no in God's Word, we've got news for you. He will not tell you yes in your spirit. God is not dichotomous. God is not wishy-washy. God does not have any type of personality disorder for he changes his mind about moral standards. If God has a moral standard that he has proclaimed in his word, then it is that way for you, whether it conveniences you or inconveniences you. The Bible is the word of God. It is written by people who were moved by the spirit of God. That same Spirit of God dwells in you as a believer, and that Spirit of God will not contradict for you personally. He will not make exceptions for you personally what He has told all the rest of humanity, what His standards are. And so if God has spoken about something in His Word, then that settles it. But if He hasn't, then pray about it. Seek the counsel of others and live by faith. And above all, love your brother in Christ who may be weaker in an area where you're stronger. The truth is, there's probably a way or a part of our lives in which we are the weaker brother. And we need others who are stronger not to cause us to sin. So the beautiful thing, if we get this right, is that every single one of us will be living in such a way as to not cause anyone else of us to actually sin against God. And then when we fellowship together, there's trust in that relationship that we have with one another. There's benefit, there's blessing, because we know we don't have to keep a John to sigh on this guy over here because he might cause someone to sin. No, not if we're all living according to what God says in Romans 14. 